Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. We have been in a series called Travel Light, and I thought that was so ironic when I picked up my wife's suitcase the other day. I mean, straight up, not kidding, for us to, to move about, I moved her suitcase and she moved my suitcase and they were on wheels. And then we decided yesterday to do the self, you know, the, the self, uh, what do you call it? Disembarkment, I guess, disembarkment, self-disembarkment deal. And so we went down and so we've got these big old suit and everybody in line is just judging us. You know, like we had the largest suitcases of anybody who was walking off the ship with just their, their suitcases. And I thought, how ironic of exactly what we're talking about and the reality. And the reason was, is the first one of the first things my wife did, my wife is a list maker. You have never met a list maker like Jennifer Matheny. There are lists all over our house. There are lists on the cabinet to tell you what's inside that cabinet. I'm not kidding, right? And so she, one of the first things she did was sit down on the balcony and make a list for the next cruise of things not to do and things that she would do. And she put a bunch of things that she pulled off of her list, like she packed a hairdryer. There's a hairdryer in the room, right? She, she packed several things that they were there and they were for, and, and I, and I laughed and I just kind of thought, wow, God, what an illustration of what we are trying to talk about during the season of the idea of travel light, of how we feel this need to gather so many things and hold on to stuff, right? Like this is kind of the way we go through life, kind of, you know, like this is my stuff and I, and I need this. And the reality being that there's a lot less that we need than we think if we're just following who God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. It really is that, that much more simple. So week one, we kind of talked about letting go of stuff, like actual physical resources, materials, things, dollars, and, 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 and stuff. We talked about garages full of junk uh, that we never use and that kind of thing. Week two last week, we talked about distractions. Letting go of things that are actually distracting us from what it is that are God's purpose. And I want to tell you now, so you can invite someone, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about letting go of control. Because there's never been a message quite like letting go of control, like the message of Mary, a 13-year-old teenage girl who had all the plans in the world. Come on, ladies and girls. You have all these pictures of what your wedding day is going to look like. 
Some of you have practiced. Right? Girls do this thing where they meet a guy and if they think he might be the one, you start practicing his last name in cursive in case that's your signature one day. Right? We get these, and I want you to think about what it was like for Mary to all of a sudden have an angel show up and go, hey, guess what? You're a prego and you've got to tell everybody that. And so all thoughts of what was life or all thoughts of control of her life went out the window. That's what we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve. Letting go of control. But today, I want to talk about an area every single one of us deals with. Maybe on different levels. Some of us acknowledge this area too much. Some of us are so focused on this, on this particular area that it's actually a distraction to our lives and detrimental to our lives. Some of us do the ostrich thing and we poke our head in the sand and we pretend like it's not there. And what I'm talking about is hurts, offenses, grudges, these things inside of us that we continue to hold on. Maybe it happened when you were younger. But when it comes up, it's just as tender today as it was the day that it happened. The scripture is clear that hurts, grudges, unforgiveness will completely stifle your relationship with God and with other people. Jesus said that it would happen. Right? I mean, Luke 17 and 1 says this. Offenses will certainly come. as Jesus' words. Right? In, in, in other words, why is it... And, and let me say it to you this way. Why is it that you and I set up in our mind Camelot? You know what I mean by that? Like Camelot is perfect. Like it's the perfect place where there's this perfect round table. And, 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 and ladies, you have this certain idea of what your family should look like and your husband should look like and, and your kids should look like. And, 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 and dads, we have this certain way of the job and what our house should look like. And we have all these, and we have this tendency to look at Camelot. And then we are so surprised when it doesn't actually happen. And what Jesus said, listen to me, is offenses will come. You're going to have struggles. We need to come to the point where we stop trying to make things perfect and we become perfect at dealing with problems. Because as long as you're walking around on this blue blob, guess what? Jesus said you're going to have struggles, right? Come on, pastor, be a little more positive. I'm positive you're going to have troubles, right? I'm positive, right? Life would be easy if it wasn't for people. Come on, somebody. Right, so we got off the boat yesterday. This is hilarious. So Tim and Jeannie Stahl, they usually sit right back in the back here. They're villagers, great people, been with us for a long, long time. They're doing the love and respect small group that's been going on for marriage. Tim and Jeannie, we got off the boat yesterday morning. They were getting on our same boat, taking the same cruise one week later after us. You know what we know that they didn't know getting on the boat? One of the crew members told us, because we were like, man, there's almost no families, no kids. It was like it was a perfect mix for us to get away, and it was kind of quiet. On the cruise this week, their cruise, there are 500 children. Pray for the Peru missionaries. Pray for Tim and Jeannie Stahl this week. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like, like, and there was this one family that, uh, that was just loud in the dining room when we were at dinner the other night. They're like eight tables away, but you could hear their conversation over all the other tables in between. You know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that people get on their nerves? 
Do people get on your nerves? Yes, of course people get on your nerves because you're breathing, right? Some people in your life have the spiritual gift of jerkness. Don't look at them right now. Some people's life mission is just to mess with you. Or so it feels. Would you not agree? Listen, listen. Today, I believe God wants to help you deal with the reality that offenses will certainly come. I think that's what God wants to to deal with us today. I think that's what God's been speaking to me and what he wants to speak to you. So let's pray. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us with this. Father, um... We just come before you knowing that if we're honest, we get aggravated all the time. Like, we get so frustrated with each other. We we take on offenses and hurts and grudges. And so during this time, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? We, we come, palms up, we come acknowledging our humanity and acknowledging how easily we get aggravated. And so Holy Spirit, do something that only you can do within our souls today. Help us to overcome, bring healing inside of each one of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's talk about some healthy responses to aggravating people, right? Let's talk about some healthy responses. Okay, let's talk about what it's not. One, number one healthy response, it's not blow up, right? It's not blow up. Anybody blown up lately? Be honest. Okay, anybody blown up lately? Okay, there was like three honest people. So next week I'm going to teach on lying. Um, that reminds me of a Boudreaux joke. So Boudreaux walks in and he walks into work and he's got this big square, like something's inside of his shirt. Like he's got this big square sticking out in his shirt. And one of the coworkers goes, Boudreaux, what, what's in your shirt? Boudreaux said nothing. He said, come on, Boudreaux, tell me what's up in your shirt. He said, look, every day I come up in here and Thibodeau slaps me on the chest, leaves a handprint on my chest. So today I put dynamite in my shirt. I'm going to blow his hand off. (laughs) That is exactly what it means when we blow up. Listen to me. That's exactly what we do, right? When we blow up in the situations, the whole scenario, when I blow up, I don't make it better. You know the saying, two two wrongs don't, right? But three lefts do. That's a right. Anyway, okay. Listen, we have this tendency to want to take things into our own hands. We have this tendency to be frustrated with people. And the worst are not the ones that just do something once and then go, oh, I'm sorry. The worst are the repeat offenders. Right? The worst are the ones that they do it and they go, I'm sorry. And then they do it again. And they go, I'm sorry. And they do it again. And they go, I'm sorry. And you go... I'm sorry, you used to have front teeth. I mean, that's, right, the the blow up, the frustration, right? Like, it's the repeat offenders. So, this whole process of of launching and and being a new church has been fascinating for me. Because I cannot tell you how many naysayers and critics that I have had through the whole process. You know, you, you can't do it that way, and that's stupid to have your church in the Tropic Theater. That's a bar, like, during Bike Fest and all this kind of stuff, you know. And you, and you can't, and, 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 and what happens is, you can get to a point, if your life is like my life, when you've got people that are critical, and people that are just coming at you, and all this kind of stuff, to take time to blow up 
It's just a distraction. Somebody said it to me this way. Mike, you need to vision yourself like Nehemiah. Nehemiah in the Bible had the job to build a wall, right? God gave him a job, a purpose. His purpose was build this wall, right? And he needed to get up on the wall and get to work. And what happened is some guys came and started talking trash. But you know what Nehemiah did? He didn't come down off the wall to address that. He kept working. And that's where you and I have to get to the place where we can overcome and not blow up. Because somebody says something and we come down off the wall, we get distracted and pulled away from our purpose. And we blow up and act a fool. Well, then what do we do after that? Well, then we feel bad about it. So now we sit around and we play the guilt game and all this kind of stuff. Listen to Romans 12 and 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. I might be a sick person, but that helps me. Come on, somebody, right? And it says, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. At some point, there's something inside of us that we go, well, yeah, but God didn't understand. He doesn't see what I'm dealing with today and what... God doesn't understand? Yeah, but you don't know what my ex-wife just said to the kids about me. You know, you don't know what my coworker just said. You don't know what that kid at school just said about me. My family member, oh, come on, somebody. It's time for family dinners. Ever blown up at a family dinner? Leave room, right? Listen to me. When we blow up, We take control of the situation. If we don't leave room for God in the situation, we squeeze God out. If we don't leave room for God to do something, we we squeeze him out in that situation. When we blow and take that whole thing, if if we don't give the opportunity for God to do something, then God's not going to do something. Right? That's what's so interesting about the relationship that we have with God, creator of the universe. And he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but he's regularly a gentleman. And what I mean by that is, he will take care of a situation. He will deal with it, but he will deal with it in the healthiest way and in his timing. But when I take control, guess what? God won't trump me most of the time. He'll let me do it. He'll also let me walk out the consequences. It's not blow up. Number two, it's not guess what. You know what guess what is? That's the water cooler talk. That's gossip. Do you know where the worst place on the planet is for gossip? The church. The church. Because we hide it in spiritual talk. Oh, you should pray for Sally. Did you hear what happened? It sounds, it sounds all spiritual, but it's not godly, right? And, and, and the struggle and the, and the way we talk about, did you hear what happened? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Look at Proverbs 16 and 28. A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. So I have this picture. There's a story in the Bible about Moses and the Israelites and they're wandering around in the wilderness. And the reason they're wandering around in the wilderness, do you remember why? Because they were grumbling. So get the picture. Here they are. They have tents because they're kind of nomadic, right? 
They're sitting around in front of their tent. I don't know, kind of like you and I sitting around in our living room or at our dining room table or in the kitchen. But they're, they're sitting around in the tent and they're going, did you hear what Moses said? I can't believe he said that. Do you see what his wife was wearing? I can't believe she chose to wear that today. Right? I am so tired of walking around in circles. I'm tired of these shoes. I'm, I, we need something better to eat, right? This is, this, is, this is what they did. And the grumbling that they did caused them to walk around in circles. Let me ask you a question. Is the grumbling that's going on in your house causing you to go around in circles? Is the talk... Is, is the way that we're using our tongue and the fact that we have this... We, how amazing are we at critiquing other people? Isn't it amazing that we are completely blind to our own struggles? But we can analyze everybody else's marriage. We can everybody, analyze everybody else's kids. Right? We can do... And listen, listen. We've got to be careful because it's not guess what. We, we, we can't talk we can't run our mouths because that ends up separating us from god so what does it say in matthew 18 15 it says this if another believer sins against you go privately and point out their offense go privately and point out their offense listen to me very seldom and this is going to step on all of our toes very seldom Is it healthy for you to talk to anyone, yes, your spouse, other than the person that you're offended by? Yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. And the scripture doesn't say, exemption your spouse, exemption your best friend who keeps all your confidence. The scripture says this, if you have a struggle with someone, If you have an offense with that person, then you are to go to that person and deal with that one-on-one. To do anything else, listen to me, is going to cause your life to go in circles. It's going to put you in a tailspin. It's going to put you at odds with God in in a distant relationship from Him and in a distant relationship with that person. And here's what's terrible. When you look around the church, we are not that much different in this area than the world. If we're honest. We, 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 we Christianize it, right? We, we talk about praying for someone. You ain't prayed for that person. Right? You should pray for Joe because you hear what's going on in their marriage. So pray for that. That's, that's, that's nothing but gossip and you're not praying for that person. Right? And to go to someone else and say, this is why I'm mad and this is upset. Usually all we're doing is trying to get a friend in misery because the misery loves company. Right? And so the scripture says, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not guess what. Like we, we're not supposed to blow up. But it's also not guess what. We're not supposed to go talking to other people. What we are supposed to do is go sit down with that person and go, you know what? When this happened, this really hurt my feelings. Or this really bothered me. To which we go, hey, but you don't understand what happened to me. You you don't understand what that person did. You, you, You don't understand. And listen to me. God understands it all. Like when we say that, we leave God out of the equation. 
We completely leave God out of the equation because is he not creator of the universe? Is he not all powerful? Is he not all knowing? Is he not, can he not do whatever he wants whenever he wants? So what is it in us? It's, it's pride. It's fear, fear of confrontation. It's the struggle. And so we've got to be careful and look and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not, guess what? It's, it's not gossip. It's not the talk. If I have an offense, if I have an issue, I need to go deal with that person. It's not blow up. It's not guess what? It's not so what? So what is that, you know, when we minimize hurts and offenses and when we minimize forgiveness, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Listen to me. When you minimize forgiveness, you ch- I mean, when you minimize offenses, you cheapen forgiveness. When you minimize your hurts, you cheapen forgiveness, which is what God gave us on the cross in Jesus Christ, his son, as he died on the cross. Right? And so we need to come to that place where we're like Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah 6 and 14 from the message. It says, my people are broken and shattered and they put on band-aids saying, oh, it's not so bad. You'll be fine, but things are not fine. So I want to say this to you today. Listen to me. Hurts are a big deal. They're a really, really big deal. Men, your hurts are a big deal. We have been told in our culture, be a man, man up, be tough, right? And listen to me, I'm not looking for you to come whining and crying, but I am looking for you to be honest about your hurts. Because every man sitting in here this morning or listening online, inside of you is a little boy that's got some hurts that maybe you've never addressed or you've never felt comfortable addressing. And the reality is it is a big, big deal. I think that we have gotten to a point where we have overscheduled our lives. So there's not enough time to deal with hurt. Do you understand what I mean by that? Like what we do, and this is just the way we go through our day-to-day basis. Somebody says something, it really bothers us. It hurts our feelings. It makes us, makes us upset, right? But I got to go pick up the kids. Or I got to be at this next appointment. Or I got to get home and, and, and clean this or wash or cook dinner. I've got this next thing to do. So somehow in our head, we justify the fact that that next thing on our schedule is bigger than dealing with the hurt inside of us. So how do we judge that? So I was thinking through, how do we practice, how do we deal with that on a day-to-day basis? How do I start to like recognize? Because it's one thing for me to say it sitting here on a Sunday morning, it's all good in church, right? But it's different on Tuesday afternoon, right? It's, it's, so, so what does that look like? So, so I kind of came up with, this is just Mike's opinion. Um, and you can pray about it and come up with your own. But here's what I thought. If you talk about to yourself or to others, If you talk about something to yourself or to others more than three times, there's an issue. Are you you tracking with me? Like somebody says something, it makes you mad and you're like, go home and you're grumbling. I can't believe they just said that to me. I can't. Okay. So I had eight donuts this morning out at the coffee bar. They didn't have to bring it up. Right? Whatever it is, when somebody says something. Now listen to me. If you go home 
and you move on and you forget about it, I wouldn't say that's an offense or anything that needs to be dealt with. But if you get up tomorrow morning and you're getting ready and you're in the mirror, right? And you're standing there and you look in the mirror and you go, can't believe they brought up donuts. And then the next day you drive by Donut King and you go, you know what? I'm going to buy a dozen donuts. I'm delivered to their house. Listen to me. There's a problem. There's something setting root inside. Does that make sense? And listen to me, that needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with. It's not being dealt with in the church. We have, this is why we have so many church splits. We have undealt with hurt. We have, we haven't had conversation, we've gone home and had a conversation with our wife. We've gone home and had a conversation with our kids, which is even worse. We've gone home and we've had all kinds of conversations where we've called somebody. Did you hear what Pastor Mike said? <laughs> right? This is, this is what has happened within the church that makes a church neutralized. The devil doesn't have to work real hard against you if everybody's holding offenses. Because your offenses have you stifled in your relationship with God and each other. Does that make any sense? Like we, we've got to deal with this. So some of you guys know my degree is in biochemistry. Because um, I thought that would be perfect for pastoring. But um, so I, I took microbiology. Microbiology I think was my favorite and the craziest class that I ever took when I did. I loved microbiology. But there was this point in microbiology that... Um, and I see Bethany here. She took microbiology. So in microbiology where you got the Petri dishes. And what they had to do, had you do is they had you swab all these public places. Did y'all do this? Yes. Right? And so they would go. And first of all, you had to swab your mouth. Then rub it in the Petri dish. Then close it up. Put it on the counter. Then we went over and we swabbed the handle of the door. And you put it in the Petri dish. You closed it. And all you did was take a swab and just like this on the keyboard or wherever, like, you know, kind of deal. We did like five or six different public places, put it up there. And then the teacher put them away where we couldn't see them. She waited like, oh, it was a week, maybe, maybe two weeks. And then she brought them out. And this stuff had grown, right? Like, like I had no idea that was on the doorknob. I had no idea that that was, that's in my mouth. I need to go brush my teeth right now. Listen, listen, here's, here's what happens. That's an illustration and a reality of what's going on inside of our souls and in our hearts. Because we pretend like it's no big deal or we push it aside and we don't deal with it. But what's happening is something is growing inside of us. Something festers inside of us. Something happens inside of us. And then all of a sudden, you're riding in the left lane. Come on, somebody. And you pull up on that person in the 55, and they're going 45 in the left. The left, this is, this is the left lane. And something inside of you goes, listen, and you go, what, what? Come on, has anybody ever done that? And they've just been like, what the heck was that? Like, I have that happen where I just kind of step and look at myself and go, I feel like a monster. Like, there's something, you know what it is? It's that Petri dish. 
It's, it, it's hurts, it's grudges, it's things that we have not let go of that sit in and they fester inside of us. And we hold on to that stuff. So it's, it's not so what, it can't be so what. When people hurt us, it attaches to our heart and we need the Holy Spirit and each other, catch this, and each other to identify the hurts and call them what they are. It is critical for us to get serious about hurts because like the Petri dish, it grows. And do you know what hurts grow into? Bitterness. Bitterness. You ever been around somebody who's bitter? You ever been around somebody who just, wow, they're just, just something bitter about who they are. Listen to this, Hebrews 12 and 15. Watch out that no bitterness, poison or toxin is really another synonym for that. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their lives. My challenge for you today, and this is a hard one, is for you to be real about hurts. It's for you to come to a place where you go, you know what, I need to acknowledge that some of the reasons, maybe not all, but some of the reasons that my life keeps going around in circles, some of the reasons that I continue to run around the same relational mountains, right? That I continue to have some of the same struggles and same hurts. The reason that I can't whip this addiction, the, the reason I can't get over that secret sin might be tied back to some hurt that is undealt with and it has grown and festered to a point. How do you know? I don't know what if y'all are the same way, but for me, it's all about mirror conversations. It always happens to me when I'm in the bathroom looking in the mirror. And all of a sudden I'm arguing with someone. Does anybody else do that? Maybe it's you in the car. Maybe you start having the arguments in the car and you're literally, you find yourself going down this road of arguing with your wife or arguing with your husband or arguing with the boss who got onto you yesterday or that coworker or whatever, listen to me. If you're having those conversations, if you're bringing it and it's coming back up and back up and back up, listen to me, there's a hurt there. And the longer it goes undealt with, the longer you go not being able to fulfill everything that God has called you to do. I am begging God for freedom today for some of you. I am begging God, I have asked God for the last couple days that this morning in this time period that some of you would maybe be able for the first time to lay some things down you haven't been able to lay down for years. Not because it's easy and not in your own power. But because maybe you recognize that there's a healthier way of doing what it is that God has called you to do. So let's, let's talk about that just a little bit. Let's talk about what's God's way of handling hurt. What's God's way of handling hurt? Number one. Number one is just to realize the effect my relation, this affects my relationship with God. Anybody here ever hurt anyone? Anybody? Okay, I got like four hands. 
I got it. Let's do it this way. Anyone sitting next to someone who has ever hurt anyone? Raise your hand. Oh, I got a little more honesty again next week. We're going to teach online. Listen to me. Here's the scary part. The scary part is you've hurt probably three times more people than you actually understand that you hurt. Because how often have you misunderstood something that someone said? Got mad about it, had a conversation, and then they said, oh no, I said this, or I meant this, this is what I was thinking, and you go, oh, my bad. Right? Well, how many people have you said and they misunderstood and they're holding an offense or a hurt against you, you don't even know it? Right? We all, we need to understand that this is some, some serious stuff. And, 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 and when we deal with other people, it's amazing how we have this tendency to judge ourselves by our motives. We judge others by their actions. And what that means is I have a tendency to let myself off the hook. Because we go, well, I meant to do blah, blah, blah. Right? But we don't ever get that because we don't understand their motives. So we judge people more critically by their actions while we judge ourselves by our, well, I meant to, right? I'm, I meant to say I love you. I meant to remember her birthday, right? I'm, I meant, and, and, we, and, and we let ourselves off. But listen to this, Luke 6 and 37, do not judge others and God will not judge you. Here's where it gets thick. Do not condemn others and God will not condemn you. Forgive others and God will forgive you. The measure you use for others is the one that God will use for you. That's some deep yogurt right there. Right? I mean, when we think about the reality of what that means, the measure in which I'm going to judge, the, I, let's say it this way, the measure in which I'm going to give grace to other people, God gives grace to me in that same measure. The same way that I give mercy to other people, God's only going to give me mercy in that measure. The way that I serve, love, give to other people is the way that God is going to give, serve, and love towards me. That's a struggle when you think that through, right? I need you to understand how much this affects your relationship with God. It is a direct correlation. We have to strive to be. The goal of true life, the goal of freedom, the goal of the cross is for us to be in perfect relationship with God. No offenses, no struggles, no strife. The other part is for us to be in perfect relationship with each other. No struggles, no strife, no anger. No, that's the goal. And the measure at which we get to that place through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the measure in which we find our spiritual maturity. So some of us have been in church for 30 years, but we're one years old as a Christian. We've just been one years old 30 times. Right? And we're struggling. Why? Like, why don't I have more of a desire for God? Like, why, why don't I want to read my Bible? Or why don't I... I you know, I, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I don't seem to have that desire. Maybe, listen to me, this is critical. Maybe there's been some unresolved hurt. Maybe there's some, some unresolved offenses or, or things inside of you that cause you to continue to run around that mountain. You've you got to understand how much this affects your relationship with God. 
Let me give you another illustration. You ever seen a child in a preschool that wants all the toys? You ever seen that little kid like goes over and it's like a box of Legos and he starts grabbing Legos and he's like, my Legos, right? But it's snack time and the teacher wants to give him a snack. And so the teacher's trying to hand in the snack, but the kid can't pick up the snack. How come he can't pick up the snack? Because his hands are so full. How come we can't receive the blessing that God has for us? Because our hands are so full of offenses and strife and grudges. And you can't receive when your hands are full of other things. Right? That, that's, that's the, so, so let me ask you, what is, what's in your hands? Who is in your hands? Who is that hurt? Who's that, who's that person that said something to you lately that you, you keep playing it out in your head? I don't know if you're like me. I do it like this. <laughs> it is not good to talk on stage because it ruins your reputation. But here's my thought process, right? I start playing out all the zingers I could have said. Anybody do that one? Dang it, man. That, I could have, that would have been good. That have chopped them off at the knees. Right? Listen to me. If you're having those conversations, that's an offense. That's a hurt. That's a petri dish of something growing inside of you. That that is the reason you're having struggle with your relationship with who God is and what God wants for your life. Number two. Number two is I just got to acknowledge my hurts. Remember, remember I said earlier, there are some people that do this too much. Listen to me. I'm not talking about like, you don't need to be a, a spiritual hypochondriac. Because some people are. Well, this person hurt me and that hurt and I'm hurt and I'm hurt and I'm hurt and I'm hurt and, I, and I'm hurt. Those people end up being a black hole. They suck the life out of people, to be quite honest. Right? The point of us is not to acknowledge our hurts and live in our hurts. It's just to acknowledge our hurts. Not to hide from them, but not to give them so much power over our lives that it changes who we are. Right? But you, you, you've got to acknowledge your hurts. Exploding in anger is because you're bottled up. Take a two liter of Coke and shake it up. Doesn't look that much different, does it? But as soon as you pop the top, what happens? All heck breaks loose. That's you and I holding on to an offense. We're a shaken bottle of two liter, right? Just waiting for one little thing. Come on, have you ever been there? Have you ever had someone else thought, think that about you? You thinking about them or you thinking about yourself that you go, why did I freak out? Like, like when this thing happened, I just... I just reacted like with all, listen to me, that's because you got bottled up hurt. That, that's, that's a sign and an understanding. Look at this Psalm 39. This is so good. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. Anybody ever said that? Right? I will hold my tongue. Right? I'm going to hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Come on. Some of you, that's Monday morning. I'm going to hold my tongue today. All these heathens I have to work around. All these ungodly people that say all these stupid things. Listen to this. But as I stood there in silence, 
not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. Anybody ever had that feeling? You're sitting there not saying anything, but on the inside, you're thinking lots of things, right? The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Come on, anybody can relate to that reality? And so we'll say something like this. Well, time heals everything. That's a lie. That's a bald-faced lie, and you know it. Some of you ladies, I could bring up a name right now of a boyfriend from high school, and something inside of you would just go, Why? Because listen, because we're holding on to hurts. Because we're holding on to those things because we're continuing to struggle in that scenario. If it was true that time healed everything, well, no problem then. When you get cancer, just wait a year. It'll be fine. That's not how it works, is it? It has to be dealt with. It has to be addressed. We have to acknowledge this reality of what is going on. Time is not a healer. Jesus is a healer. It has to be dealt with, with God. Bring it to him and acknowledge your hurt. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We confess the struggle, he does the purification. That's critical for you to catch. Because some of you go, I can't forgive him. And you know what? You're probably right. I'm not asking you to forgive them. If you noticed, I haven't said forgive the person. Number one, as I said, accept the reality that it changes your relationship with God. And the the next one was just acknowledge your hurt. What does the word say there? Confess it to God and he will purify your heart. Right? Just confess it to God. God, I'm mad. God's God's a big God, y'all. You can go to him and go, I'm ticked. I'm not happy right now. This, if, if my wife says one more thing to me, God, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind. But you know what you're doing in that moment? You're confessing it to your Heavenly Father, the healer of your soul. And it says, if we stand on the truth of the Word, what it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and He will forgive our sins. I love that. Catch that. What is your sin? Your sin is that you think you're big and bad and better that person and know better. Like we're in sin in that moment in our anger. But then it says, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So unrighteousness inside of us is the festering hurt and the grudge and everything. So I'm not telling you to forgive. I'm telling you to confess it to your heavenly father. I'm telling you to daily go to him and say, God, help me to deal with this. I confess that I am not happy. Number three, you got to pray. Now when I say pray, you go, well, wait, 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 we just talked to God. No, 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 I want to say it to you this way. Pray for the other person. <laughs> and some of you went, oh, I got that one. Right? Oh God, Joe's driving me crazy at work. Would you please give him shingles? I'm not talking about God get them prayers, right? And some of us, this is the way we pray. Come on, I can hear a lady right now going, God, 
Did you hear what he said to me? My husband, you know he's wrong, God. Fixing God. Get him to think straight because he's retarded. I'm not talking about praying, God, get him prayers because here's what we do. We think praying for the other person is actually praying for the other person to get fixed. Can I tell you what you're doing in that moment? You're fixing your own heart. Prayer is not fixing about fixing them, it's about fixing me. Prayer is, is not to change them, but prayer can change you. Not every prayer that you pray is going to change somebody else, but listen to me, every prayer you pray changes you. I wonder how many times that we've prayed and not seen a, a, a change in someone else because we prayed a God get them prayer. Now here's the pattern. Here's how it works. God, I swear if my boss, if he says one more word to me today, he is, he rides my butt every single day. So God, I'm praying today that you would like, I don't know. Give him some unstupid or something, God. Like, would you just do something to make him better today? And then we get up and we walk into work having this fake spiritual holy feeling that we have prayed for someone. Right? And then the moment you walk in the door, he just starts chewing your butt. And what's the reaction? What's the feeling? The feeling is one, okay, God, you didn't fix him. And two, maybe God, you're not listening to me. Now I feel rejection from the person and I feel rejection from God. Do you see the breakdown of relationship that happens in that reality? Right? And, and, and so, listen to this. Jesus, think about Jesus praying in the garden. Jesus, when he prayed in the garden, he knew what was coming. He was not really asking for God to change anything. He was setting his heart and attitude right on what he had to do next. The prayer that you pray when you pray for other people is about me. It's, it's setting my heart right. Matthew 5 and 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Amen. Put that one on a three by five card, put it in your car, right? No, it goes on. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them. For is a positive statement. When you go to pray for that other person, pray positively for them. Why? Because you speaking positive words is going to change your heart. And you go, well, I just can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. God, would you bless them in whatever you see fit? God, would you help them to overcome the hurts inside of their lives and whatever struggles are going on inside of them? God, would you do something? Why, God? Because you know what? I need you to do it inside of me too, God. I, I need you to clean my own heart out. And so I'm asking God, because I remember the verse that said, whatever measure that I give to others is the measure that you give to me. So let me say it to you this way. Maybe the way you're praying, you need to start looking at that as the measure of what you're getting in your life, in your return, in your relationship with God. Do you see that connection? And so, so many of us are struggling and running around the same mountains. We don't understand we're in a lot of ways doing it 
to ourselves. T.D. Jakes, if you've ever heard T.D. Jakes, he says something that I love that I've quoted for years. He says it like this. The enemy is in a me. The enemy is in a me. The enemy is right here. Listen to me. The Petri dish is right in here. The Petri dish is right in here. What is going on inside of me and what is bottled up and struggling inside of me is in me. Ephesians 4, 26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. That's bitterness taken to another level. Anger is bitterness taken to another level, right? At first we let the hurt sit. And we go, man, I, I can't believe that person made that comment. You know, I, I love this shirt. Why'd they, why'd they laugh at my shirt? Right? And we let that offense and we think about it again later. Or we think about the donuts. Or we think about something our spouse said. We think about something our spouse didn't say. That's the worst. Come on, y'all. We do this to each other all the time. Well, why didn't they say this? Or why didn't they? I did it on the cruise. We're on the cruise. And my wife goes... Look at my nails. And in my wonderful maleness, I went, oh, cool. And I walked off. And she went, that is not what you're supposed to say. And I was like, help me, please. What, what do I say? And she said, you say they're beautiful. I went, oh, my God, they are so beautiful. She went, thank you. And she walked off. Right? But listen, as silly as that is, how many of those hurts and these little things are we picking up every day? And the whole, vo- the whole reality of this series is we're trying to travel light. And some of us are carrying bags and bags and bags behind us of hurt, offenses, grudges, right? And every once in a while we open this bag and we pull this one out. And we talk about this one in our mind. And we go, I should have said this. I should have said that. Well, I'm just going to put that one back for later when I have nothing else to do. And then I'm going to pick this one up. And so many of us are living our lives in this, in this constant turmoil of this struggle that's inside of each one of us. Look at this, Ephesians 4 and 26. This is red wrong. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So here's the way we use that. Oh, fighting with my wife. We cannot go to sleep tonight. We have to stay up all night till we solve this. Listen to me, that is not what that means. That is not what that means. That has nothing to do with the other person. That has to do with you. That has to do with you going before God and saying, God, I cannot go to bed tonight. This anger is controlling me. I'm confessing it to you. Would you do a work in my heart, God? Would you purify my thoughts and my, and, 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 and whatever this thing is in my, will you clean out the petri dish, God? Because I, I'm so jacked up right now and I'm so angry and all that. It's not about sitting there and arguing with them all night. It's about changing me. It's about changing me. I cannot tell you how often I counsel couples. And the very first thing, if I talk to the wife, what's she going to talk about first? Him. If I talk to the husband, what's he going to talk about first? Her. Right? If I talk to a family and it's a... Here's, here's a teenager and here's the mom. I look at the teenager and say, what's going on? Well, mom, this and rules and boundaries and she's Nazi and bro, right? And immediately that's what we do and what we need to understand. And I think what God's trying to help us to grasp today is the struggle is in here. The struggle is in, is in my own heart, 
right? It goes on to say, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Do you know foothold, when you translate that concept of foothold, it, it translates a comfortable place. Comfortable place. It's the holidays, let me help you out. If you've got people coming to visit, and we always have people come visit because we're in Florida. People love to come to Florida, right? They want to go to Disney, they want to go to the beach, they want to see an alligator, right? That's what people like to do when they come to Florida. Okay, listen, listen to me. Stop making it so comfortable for your guests. We kick the kids out of their room and give them the comfy beds and put the kids on the couch. If you put the, the guests on the couch, they won't stay as long. You're welcome. Now listen to me. Of course I'm being silly, but that is what we do when it comes to hurts. We create a space inside of us. And we make that space comfortable for that hurt. We create a space inside of us that this is where it resides and this is its place. And then we love to go back there and visit that scenario. And here's what I'm saying to you. Please get serious about your hurts. Please get serious about the reality of what it is doing to you and your other relationships. Because the reality of what God wants to do inside of us, the reality of what God wants to do through us and in our lives... And yet he's trying to knock on the door of your heart and say, the reason you're frustrated, the reason you keep going, I don't know my purpose yet in life. And I don't know why my marriage is doing this. And I don't know why I keep running around. And I don't know why I keep running back to that secret sin. And I keep clicking the button and looking at pornography or, you know, drinking. You know, I got to have wine every night to calm me down. The, The reason is, is because of what I'm just talking about here. It's unresolved hurts. My my last point is this. You got to deal with the root of what we're talking about today. And here's the root. The root is rejection. Rejection. It started at the very beginning. Adam and Eve are there in the garden. Everything's fantastic. And the serpent introduces something that they've never felt before. Rejection. How? Here's how. Satan says to him, hey, so God said you can't, you can't even, you can't eat from this tree? He said that because he knows you'll be like him. And in that moment, the temptation that came into them was this. You mean God is holding something back from us? I feel this thing that I don't even know to describe yet, we, we call it today rejection. I feel rejected that, that God doesn't, God doesn't, there's not something that he doesn't want me to have. And we've been dealing with that same bottom line sin since the beginning of time. The the, the reality is, is what people do hurts. And then we ask God to fix them and he doesn't because the issue is in me. Now we feel rejection from God and the person. And we're living in rejection and we're living in feeling less than. And then you know what we're going to do when we feel rejection? We're going to medicate it. You're going to medicate it somehow. You're going to medicate it by being an overachiever. 
Because when I overachiever and I achieve it all, then I can overcome this feeling and this hole that I have inside of me. You're gonna over, you're gonna do it by drinking. You're gonna do it with your, your rage or anger. You're gonna do it because you have social anxiety. I know I'm touching on something tender, tender there. Social anxiety is rooted in rejection. It's rooted in hurts that have festered and become a part of who someone is. Right? And now I struggle in social situations. Why? Because of this rejection that I, it's, it's fear. It's this ongoing kind of fear kind of thing. And we're going to medicate it. We're going to medicate it with cigarettes. We're going to medicate it with alcohol, pornography. Whatever we can use to protect or medicate ourselves. But it is actually rejection that we're dealing with. Acts 8 and 23. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And here's what I'm going to ask you to this is what I'm asking you to proclaim today. I will not be captive anymore. I will not be captive anymore. I will acknowledge it. I will submit it to God. And today, God, I'm going to choose freedom. Today, I'm going to choose freedom. See, God brought you here today to deal with the rejection that is in your heart. Each and every one of us. Acts 3 and 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anybody here would love a time of refreshing in your life? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you just like to have this overwhelming kind of sense of just like, whew. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. I'm, I'm not as rejected as I thought I was. God actually loves me. Now here's what I want to say to you today, and, and, and this is so critical, and this is so tender. Because some of us, our hurts are really as simple as somebody said something to us at work, and we're kind of holding on to that offense. Some of you here today have some deep stuff. Some things that people did to you that were horrific, that you had no control over, right? And I want you to hear, I am not downplaying your pain or your struggle or the reality of what that is in your life. So I'll describe it to you this way. Have you ever seen a burn victim? Had the opportunity because I was pre-med and biochem major stuff. I did some stuff. I worked at the hospital when Jen and I first got married. I was at EKG tech and all that did several things. And, but one time I got to see a burned victim and I'm sure medicine has come a long way since then. Cause that was a thousand years ago. But when you deal with a burn victim back then, there was a guy who had just been burned really bad in like a grease fire. And he, it was, it was brutal, you know, type of deal. And they would bandage him up, but eventually the bandages like get stuck. You know what I mean? And so what they would do is they'd have to take him and put him in a pool. Well, if you've ever been burned, to get into that water is just brutal all over again. Right? But they'd have to do that to soften up the bandages so that the bandages can be removed. But then 
they had to scrape away the dead skin. Why? Well, because that's the only way you're going to get new skin to grow and new life. And, and I'm just going to be honest with you. That is what I'm describing to you this morning. For some of you, you're like that burn victim. And your hurt is, is for real. It's, it's third degree. And so I don't want to downplay anything whatsoever of the reality of your hurt. But I also would be amiss if I downplayed the power of God. If I downplayed the power of the Holy Spirit. When somebody puts their faith in His Word. Because all it said was, confess. Right? Confess your hurt. Here's my hurt. I still feel angry. (laughs) Here's my hurt. It's still painful to talk about. But here it is. Here's, here's, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it to and leave it with you, God. And ask you to do something inside of me. I'm not praying for the other person. I'm praying to realign my own thought process. And so I want to give you the opportunity today to maybe pray with somebody. So here's, here's a couple of thoughts I had. Some of you today, you maybe you've never heard God quite like you heard God today. And you've never had that opportunity to begin a relationship with God. Maybe you're struggling to overcome bitterness and hurt because you've never truly given your life to Jesus. He is the only one and the only thing that can heal what's going on inside of you. And today I promise you, if you would choose to surrender your life to Him, He will begin to deal with and begin to allow new growth. Right? New skin to grow, new life to come inside of you. For some of you today... You might pray a prayer that is recommitment of your life. Because today you realized you've been following Jesus for a long time. But you're still holding on to some things that have kept you at that one place. And you haven't been able to get beyond. And what it is, is that hurt that's sitting inside of you. And that recommitment for you today is to recommit your life by saying, I now release this part too. I confess this hurt. I confess the struggles that are inside of me because I want purification and righteousness to come to me. And there may be others that today you just kind of feel moved, but you're struggling to define what it is. Like, like you hear and you go, Pastor Mike, I hear what you're saying, but I, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on it. And here's what I would say to you. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what it is. And I would challenge you to come and pray with somebody at the altar and see if the Holy Spirit might speak through them to help you to understand what it is and and trust that God wants to speak to you in that way. So what we're going to do is ask Tara to come and play. And we're going to sing just a verse and a chorus of this song. And it's come to the altar. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is we're going to sing the verse. We're going to sing the chorus. And then I'm going to ask you to respond to God. So while we're singing, the prayer team, you guys can come on down and get set. And then would you respond to God today? Would you you stand and, and, and sing this chorus with us? Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. 
Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Bow your heads for just a moment. Father God, I just ask you give us strength to deal with what needs to be dealt with today. Give courage to acknowledge what it is. So Father, we come before you to confess these hurts, asking you to heal us and heal the things that are deep inside of our souls. I pray that over each and every person that's here today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said...